Aspire to dream. Aspire to achieve. Aspire to lead. Aspire to forge your own path. I'm Josh Booth, and on behalf of the Aspire team, I want to welcome you to Chapter 5. Executive decisions in the boardroom made the difference between profit and loss, survival and bankruptcy at several companies over the years. Ed Crawford discusses styles and strategies that served him well. This is Aspire Chapter 5 in the boardroom. Hey, you mentioned dyslexia, and we've talked about that before a little bit. Dyslexia can be part of that uh, rejection that you flip and turn into energy. Oh, of course it is. I mean, it's a, it's, if you can't, if I couldn't do that, I wouldn't be here. I, you know, something, something said, you know, so you can't spell and you can't read like everyone else in the class. And you just went from the fifth grade to the fourth grade and you're very unhappy about it. Along came my hero, and Mrs. Killinger and, Mrs., and the principal and a couple of heroes. And they come, have come along in my life at the right times. Being an entrepreneur is you're out, chins out there full time, mm-hmm. okay? And the chins of the other people that are following you are out there. It is not only your responsibility you're carrying, it's the responsibility of them you're carrying. And they know that. They're going to say, Ed will not let me, he's going to play this thing out. I don't know if we'll win. I don't know if we're going to lose. This is not going to end with he deciding that he's going to take his chips and go home. No, he can't. Yeah, well, I mean, because you're playing for everybody. Yes, and that is one of the key aspects. Even though you're getting bigger and stronger, more employees and bigger cash flow, but you're still at risk all the time. Yes. COVID did a lot of damage to the company. COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because we ran out of chips. The auto industry didn't have enough chips. Right. Do and our largest, one of our largest companies makes auto parts. We have been hounded in the last year and a half in the value, for example, of the stock and of the company, not because the company isn't failing, because the company is actually in a very good position. But the problem is, it's just not making the money it was making before because of the supply chain problems. Supply the, line problems. Yes, exactly. Nobody can get chips. So the, remember the big collapse with the banks and so forth? Sure. And it was in October, and it started. I started feeling like something could go wrong. I thought things could go down very quickly on us. So I got the group of the group, group the five people, six, at that time it was six people. It's just, this is in Park, Ohio. Yeah, in Park, Ohio. And I say, look at, but I see a real quick demise in the economy here. We cannot be caught flat-footed. We've just made a, an acquisition, you know, got our chin on a little bit. It could get worse, which it did. Mm-hmm. So I turned to Matthew and I said, Matthew, spy technology, we have lots of inventories for that. If things turn against us and the economy goes down, that business is going to go down. And if it goes down, it's going to be generating more cash for us because we'll be collecting receivables and not shipping mm-hmm. and not investing in inventory. How much will that be, Matthew? Between 40 and $41 million. Mm-hmm. So I said, everyone in Park, Ohio, making $50,000 or more is going to have, if things go bad, at the end of the first quarter, they're going to have to take a 10% reduction in their wages. Everybody. And anybody that had a bonus coming in the executive thing, that bonus is not coming. And that result is one of the cases, they will not stand for that. He said, 
that is just too big a bite. You know, we're going to lose that many people. I said, we're not going to lose a person. If everyone's treated the same, everyone will go with it. We put that, we had to put that in in February 1st. February 1st of 2008? 2009. 09. 09, right. Right on schedule. Things finally clear up. Took us a year to pay him back. Gave him a little interest. Mm. Borrowed the money from my own people. Didn't lose a person. Not one. Not one. They're and on the team. One group asked me, you know, why, uh, why aren't you separating? I went to the cafeteria. Yeah, you know, we appreciate what you're trying to do. Uh, you know, why? Where? Who picked the level at fifty thousand dollars? I mean, what? How is that process working? I said, quite frankly, I made the decision. It's just that simple. I made the decision, and it's simple. The reason I'm doing it now is I don't want to choose who has to go and who has doesn't have to go. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come in the cafeteria, and you might not be here <laughs> if, if, I, if I change this, the way this is going to happen. I see the logic in it myself. At 50000 or more to take a 10% pay cut is uh, tough. That's a hit. Yeah. But at 25000 that's a brutal hit. You can't do it. No. You didn't expect them to do it. No. Okay. I don't expect them to do it. No. You know? And it's fair enough to ask those 50000 okay, that means uh, you're not going to get that new car this year it's that exactly. you planned on. But your old car is all right. You okay. can, you well, can the, drive the, it the, for the, another the, year. This, this is where leadership and rejection all come together. Because mm-hmm. who are you protecting in that circumstance? You know, is it the company? Is it the people? Who do you protect? That's a big decision. Mm-hmm. And any way you look at it, somebody's going to think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, but you got to make the decision. You got to make the decision. And that's part of the risk. It's nice about it. It's not a private company. It's a public company, but we own a lot of the stock. Right. And uh, so we're in this for everybody. Making a profit, making the stock higher, in it for everyone. And our track record speaks to that. Well, and we should uh, talk more about the progress of Park, Ohio, from the time you acquired virtual control of the company, of a public company. Not virtually, control. Yes, you had 38% (laughs) of a public company. The board of directors meetings, did they matter? Oh, yeah, they matter because the only people on the board of directors are people that got something to bring to the table. With uh, that much control of a public company, that tells me that the board of directors meetings, uh, there's not a lot of infighting going on. They can just concentrate on doing good business, making the company better. Uh, getting operations into the best shape they can be and moving along. They're not busy uh, trying to uh, take power from one another. No, and they're really only one goal is the future. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taking care of the past. That's what we get paid for. That's what I get paid for to take care of the past, the today and the past. When you go to this board, I'm telling you, and you got an idea and they don't like the idea. You know, a guy like Jim Ward, who was retired vice chairman of Key Corporation. I mean, you think he's going to go along with something that doesn't make any sense? I don't <laughs> think he's my closest friend. That doesn't make any difference when he's stepping in that boardroom. You mm-hmm. know, these people, are, they got a lot to say if they don't like it. And that's what you want in the boardroom. Well, this is that you got to have to have. And uh, did you continue the same strategy you had used at Crawford Group after you acquired control of Park, Ohio? Since that time, has Park, Ohio acquired a number of other companies? Well, we have at Park, Ohio, so now we're in our 30th 
It's 30 years now? It's 30 years on June 18th. Okay. 30 years. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Hmm. In other words, you have to think of it in a private company, you control it, you get to do exactly what you want. In a public company, you have a responsibility to the shareholders. There's a lot of corporate governance. There is a, a lot of, because we are such a large shareholder, we want as much due diligence and co corporate visibility on everything we do. There's nothing in here that's for the Crawfords. And if we're doing a transaction that's close to the Crawfords, they have, a, you know, Park Ohio, we have did 117 acquisitions since I became in the Park Ohio. 117. Yeah. All done with the same person, Pat Fogarty, the C CFO. He and I have done everyone. We don't outsource anything. We do it ourselves. Uh, in 30 years, yeah. you've done 117 acquisitions. So yeah. how big is Park Ohio now? compared to how big it was when you uh, took over, when you started to take over in 92? It was $60 million in in 92, and it reached $1.7 billion. Right by the way, the goal is to be a $2 billion company. So it's so $1.7 billion or thereabouts yeah, now. Yeah, one six, one and six nine. And now you're coming out of the COVID hit. Are, are the supply lines loosening up as far as the chips? No. Not yet? Not yet. And so I'm on the board of Park, Ohio, and I help them with the acquisitions and so forth. But I stay out of the business. They run the business. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I, it was another company it's called Hickok. It's been, it's been around for years. It's over in Bratton, all on the one building. Uh -huh. You know, and uh, I acquired that company by selling them one of the private companies called Federal Hose five years ago and got control of that. They did the exact same thing I did with Park, Ohio. So you've, you've kept this stash of uh, small private companies that oh, yeah. you use as kind of like poker chips sometimes. This exactly a <laughs> poker chip. And I had a poker chip there and I found a company that was doing, at the time, $8 million in revenue. That's five years ago. This year, it'll do $150 million. And I changed the name from Hickok to Crawford United. So it's a publicly traded company today called Crawford United. It sounds like a soccer team. Rugby team. <laughs> or That's what Matthew rugby said. Rugby team. <laughs> My dad named it after his favorite Crawford United. Is a rubber. He probably owns a rugby team in Ireland. He hasn't <laughs> told me about it. You know. Here is where the uh, would-be entrepreneur is listening to you and raises his hand and says, now, wait a second. Don't go buy that so fast. You took an $8 million company. You turned it into a $150 million company. Well, a seven, five eight, years. Five years. And in two of the years, I was in Ireland as ambassador. Now, how'd you do that? Through a team led by a good Irishman named Brian uh, Powers. And uh, and what do they do? What do they do? Manufacturing, small companies, buying companies that have new problems. Does that sound like a record to you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I still think that entrepreneur we're talking about, that young guy or lady, Thinking, okay, you, and you uh, did good work to get it. No, give me more. Give me more there. Exactly. How did you leap from, and I'm sure that company had been not limping along. They no, were okay. They, they, were maybe, they were making a few dollars. Yeah, but they were making in the low single-digit millions. They'd been in business for 101 years. Yeah, and they never like Park, had Ohio. A, they never had a leap like that. But they had an NOL. Oh, they did. <laughs> Okay, that's so part I, of it. So I, part of it is, is, is this recurring theme, okay? Yes. So, so it well, helped finance itself. It, sure. I, I, I took the stock again, you know, and I brought with it $3 million in earnings. 
which immediately came into the company. Okay, and then they're they off so, and running. Then they and they were off and running, and there was no debt. Is there room for Crawford United to grow more? Oh my goodness gracious! Really? Well, it's in the it's in the plan. This is, you know, what I'm starting to notice. There's a lot of synthesis going on here, where the gateway to safe money from the banks was through Park, Ohio, to where you're not a little entrepreneur running around and every time you little get a, a little engine yeah and every time you get a dollar you got to sign personally you got to yeah. sign your whole life away exactly uh and so you're a total risk 100 percent of the time then you're into a public company that's a much easier process oh my goodness gracious yeah, public okay. company you borrow all the money you want and then but then you can leverage that back to the new smaller companies you get and you have kind of a financial big brother behind them that if necessary, you can, I don't want to say borrow from Peter to pay Paul, but several of your companies have a, a symbiotic relationship with new companies you acquire where they can help. They can, you can use one to help the other. You know, we really have to be very careful about that, you know, because you know, we can't benefit one side or the other. Oh. Okay. Yes. And we have a board on Park, Ohio, and we have a board and Crawford United. And they guard their interests very, very personally. Okay? As they should. As they should. Okay. So any transactions between the two companies of any type have to be sanctioned by both boards. And totally transparent. And every and... every a board meeting, there's a, a report to that. And is there any inner transactions or business going on between the families? Mm -hmm. okay? Park Ohio, I never, I wanted Park Ohio to have a lot of real estate because I wanted the money to buy ac acquisitions making money. Mm -hmm. So when we were in 1992, I bought the buildings personally and got uh, five-year leases that gave them an earnings because I paid more than the value. So that created earnings, which were immediately was a gain of like $5.6 million to profit. Went to their bottom line. Yeah. And did you say you bought the properties from Park, Ohio? Yeah. So I, le and I leased them back to them. At 10% under market value. But this is a good example of there was so much full disclosure oh my and, God. Yeah. and paperwork to say, hey, this is straight up. In fact, this is a better deal than they would have gotten from a stranger. Absolutely. No one wants it. We don't want it. We don't need the money. We're not going trying to go fast. We're doing our thing. You know, Matthew's building the company. You know, I'm having fun with Crawford United. I don't know where I'm going to go with it yet, but it's going to get bigger. I can tell you that. Other than working with you on this project. I work every day. In fact, I'm in the office six days, seven days a week. And you love it, don't you? I, it's, it's exactly what I, I, I'm not a good idle person. Mm. I'm not a good idle person. That's why I'm standing up. I don't like sitting down and talking to you. I, mm. I, I'd rather be standing <laughs> up, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm going someplace or, or I've just been someplace. I don't know where I'm going to be soon, but I think I have a good idea. And tell, can you give us just a hint of... What's a good direction, do you think, just don't tell us too much, for a Crawford United? Well, it's in the best interest of all the shareholders if the stock price goes up. Makes sense. And the jobs are created and retained in businesses that we acquire. Over the years, I've learned I need to answer two questions before I go spend one more hour doing this. And I think it's in your best interest to find out if we're interested or not. Mm -hmm. And they all say, of course. I said, one, why am I so lucky 
you're selling me your company. Because if I don't understand why I'm being so lucky, I not, you can't give it to me, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, who's going to run the company? We don't have people at Park, Ohio, hanging around the office, standing there waiting at a desk to go get a job. We don't work that way. You know? So I have to find someone here that I believe that I can bet on. And there's always someone there. Sent, let it be me. Yeah, let it be me. I wish I had the chance. I didn't get the chance. I've been, I've been, I have bought a company out in Mentor. Fantastic, a, a gal, a Croatian girl, Boya Blasic. Fantastic. She's one of the greatest success stories I've ever had in a company. They made parts for the airline, fan blades for the jet engines. Mm-hmm. And she was working for three people there, and the banks were going to foreclose on it. I got, to, I went out. I made an offer on it, and the reason I made an offer on it is I met her on the floor on the second shift. I came back. She was there. She was running the second shift, and I started talking to her, and she started telling me about it. I said, how long have you been here? She, you know, she said, well, 14 years. I said, you don't, look, you don't look 20 years old or 30 years old. She said, I look older, which very attractive, you know, smart person. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, who's been running this? She says, well... I've been running it. She said, you know, the, the people that own this company never come out here. So I started investigating and so forth, and then I thought she was unbelievable. So the deal was supposed to close on a Thursday. And on Tuesday, we're over there talking to the employees, saying it's going to close, and on Friday, they'll be working for us. The bank that was financing it pulled the loan. They said it was a misunderstanding. But anyway, I had to go back to them, you know, emergency meeting with Boya. And I had to explain to them, they were not going to get paid for the week that they were in. It wasn't my responsibility, but you're not going to get paid for that. Because the bank had come in. That's right. And I said, you're going to get paid for next week because by then I think I'll own the company. But I'm not, I can't step in here, and even if I want to, and pay that because it would go to the bank which I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So the simple terms are, you're going to have to believe in me, and you have only met me twice. Yesterday I was telling you you were going to get paid. Now I'm telling you you're not going to get paid for the month. And I said, but the question, at least I'm here asking you. And Boya got up and said, speaking in Croatian and a couple other languages, smart girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came back outside, and she says, we, it's all agreed. It's, everyone will be here next week. That's now, a good story. It's a fantastic story. It gets better gets better. I go to Boya and I said, dude, that was terrific here. I said, let me ask you a question, Boya. And this is where entrepreneurship comes in. I said, Boya, do you know if I ask you a question, what the sales per employee, what would you say? What's the answer to that? She says, absolutely. I would have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't graduate from high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been working here my whole life. No one in here could answer that question. Well, why, why would you be interested in that? I said, there are about 10 or 15 things that will give me the information I need to make a decision of how quick to react to the ownership. Because I don't particularly like the owners, and they have a contract that says severe. I'm thinking about buying them out because I don't like them. Mm-hmm. This was a, now, now this is a, a Friday. I said, be here tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. She said, I'll be here tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. <laughs> so for six weeks, she came in every Saturday 
and Sundays we spent five hours, the two of us, and I said, sales per employee means right now with your employees, you're averaging 42,000 sales per employee in the factory. It should be 60 or 70. Tremendous inefficiencies. I don't have to go out there. I guess they're all over the place. She said, well, they never let me fix anything. I said, well, I'm going to fix it. At least you understand. Do something here about that. You got the idea? She says, yeah, we've got to get more productivity. I said, why are you down there cleaning it up? You know what the scrap count is? She said, well, we don't keep track. I said, well, you should keep track. You know, the scrap on this product should be 4%. It looks like me to be 10 or 12%. Because I've been in every one of these plants. I've seen these little operations. I know what, I can smell it. I can feel it, you know. Mm -hmm. And... She's a story, the brightest star in in one of my histories. She is absolutely, she is very important. She's in the category of the 10. She's not, I I have to, it's hard to put her there, but she's right there to being that special because she she thinks it's her company. And how's that company doing today? Fantastic. It's always done fantastic. It's made money that every day that she's had it in her control. And she's the CEO now. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's got her daughter-in-law there, an Irish girl, and they, they, they get a whole crew. They run the whole thing. It's like theirs. I have to call there and get permission to come by. <laughs> <laughs> in the next chapter, the corporate discussion narrows to focus on one of the most important pages in the entrepreneurial playbook, the balance of risk and reward. Success depends on knowing when to hold them and when to fold them. Let's move on to chapter six, risk versus reward. I'm Josh Booth. Thanks for listening.